Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so thrilled that you've joined us today online. And uh, I'm looking forward to diving into what we're going to be doing together. In just a few moments, we're going to continue our teaching series where we've been going through and talking about God's grace and, and how grace works. And this morning, I'm going to share with you in just a few moments a message, a teaching, where we're going to talk about God's grace and our mediator. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we get into anything, uh, I want to invite you to do all the stuff that, that we do with social media. You know, make sure you're liking, subscribing, hitting sub notification bells and sharing and doing all that stuff. And, and I want to just encourage you to do that because by doing that, you're helping us share this teaching time around and you're helping this, this channel grow. And I just want to say thank you for being a part of it and for doing those things to help us reach out to as many people as we can with the message and the teaching of the gospel. With that said, I, I want to go to God in prayer together with you today. Uh, I want to invite you to let's go to God this morning and say, God, uh, we're so grateful and thankful that you give us a mediator. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are grateful for Jesus Christ, our go-between, for this great mediator that you gave us who brings us together with you. Even though we're broken people and hurting people, even though we have sin on our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, God, we come before you and we ask that you would forgive us by the blood of Jesus and bring us together with you, a holy and pure and perfect and righteous and just God. God, we thank you that Jesus is this perfect mediator for us. We thank you that he serves us as this priest, as this high priest who can bring us to your throne and into your throne room. God, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. And it's in his name we pray. Everybody said together at home, amen. All right, well, let's dive in to our teaching. And we are, we're going to be talking about God's grace and our mediator. Now, I first heard the word mediator when I was in junior high school. Uh, I was invited to be a part of a program in our school, and I really have no clue why I was chosen or how I was picked. And I'm not sure who thought it would be a good idea to put me in as a peer mediator at the time. But I was invited to be a part of a program called Peer Mediation. And what they what the goal of this program was, was uh, they wanted to bring in kids and train them to be able to help other kids of the same age, their peers, if there was conflict and there needed to be a resolution and if they thought mediation would help. And so what happened was they, they chose kids from each class. They brought us in. And I thought, well, I I, I could skip other classes to go to this training, so that's cool. And, and so I joined in, and I went along. And, and in the classes, we learned about conflict resolution. We learned about uh, bringing two people together and, and, and giving them each a chance to have their say, and then uh, giving 
giving them a chance to to repeat what was said so that they could let the other person know they had heard and and maybe give them an opportunity to find solutions or resolutions to their disagreements and 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 so this program is a great idea it was the idea that that kids were going to help kids solve problems and this was supposed to be something that would help out instead of having teachers or some higher authority coming in and telling them what to do they thought maybe having peers would help with the idea and it was a great idea it just was a bad idea to have me do it at the time this was uh, pre-Jesus me this was before I ever uh, became a Christian me this was uh, I was an angry kid and I was a kid that got in trouble a lot myself I was a kid that probably needed some media uh, with other kids that I had constant conflict with. Uh, and and so I don't know why I qualified to be a part of this program, but I did, and, and somehow I became a mediator. Now, the first couple times I sat down with a, with a couple kids that were having a disagreement with each other, and I, I just, you know, did the, well, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? How can we work this out? And, and it actually went pretty good, and I found myself thinking, maybe I'm good at this thing, and, and I was able to help bring some conflict resolution to the table, and and I thought, well, I'm, I, I'm not too bad at this. But then there was this one time where two, these two kids were really upset with each other. They were bound and determined to fight with one another. And, and when they were brought into the mediation meeting, they were constantly threatening each other. They were constantly talking over each other. They were constantly saying they were going to beat the other one up. And, and both of them were insulting each other and swearing at each other. And, and both of them were, were getting kind of heated and like it was going to be a volatile situation. And there I am sitting between these two and I'm getting frustrated myself because I'm here to try to help them. And, and neither one is really paying me much attention. And they're not not really, uh, they're, they're not really acting like they want to make any changes at all or fix anything at all. And, and they're getting sort of heated. And I thought, man, I got to do something to, to bring the level of intensity these two are feeling towards each other down. And, and so I did what a dumb junior high kid who gets in lots of fights might do. And I said, you know what, the two of you, I will kick both of your butts right now if you just don't quit. And if I catch you fighting with one another, I'm going to follow chase you down and I'm going to beat you up. And so it turned into this situation where I was supposed to be a mediator, but I just threatened both of them. And, uh, and I told them if they didn't pipe down, if they didn't fix things right now, if they didn't listen to me right now, I was going to whoop up on them. And you know what? In my defense, it worked, at least for the moment. They shut right up. They stopped talking. They stopped hating one another. All of a sudden, they hated me. And all of a sudden, there was a threat, not against one another, but against me. They had a common enemy all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, I found myself being removed from the mediation process. That was the last time they ever put me in a room to try to bring a conflict resolution in mediation. Uh, I had no clue that later on in my life I would take on a career as 
as a pastor, and 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 some of those lessons I learned about mediation were important. But at that time, I had no business. Oops, I had no business doing uh, mediation mediation in the in the middle of a room like that. Uh, that said, uh, today we're talking about a mediator and, and mediation. And sometimes you have the wrong person in as a mediator. Sometimes you have an unqualified person in as a mediator. And then sometimes you have the most amazingly qualified person uh, who will bring about a good mediation. Well, the question might come up, well, what is a mediator and what does a mediator do? And the short answer is a mediator is someone who enters into a situation where maybe there's a conflict and and he he helps two people come back together uh, the he or she a mediator will help two people who are at odds reconcile with one another or, or to come to terms with one another to help to help reduce to help to help squelch, to help uh, relax a situation. And so a mediator is going to come in and help, help, help peace happen. A, a mediator is going to help two people that were in animosity with one another to now come together and have a meeting of hearts and a, and a meeting of minds. Well, we're in this series where we're talking about how grace works, and we're actually looking at a place that you don't usually think of when you think of the word grace. We're looking at, at, at a book in the Bible called Leviticus together, and last week in Leviticus chapters 1 to 7, we saw the idea that grace requires sacrifice. In chapters 1 to 7, we entered into this this world that we are so unfamiliar with as Christians in the in 2021 uh, we are unfamiliar with the ancient worship of ancient Israel of the world of Leviticus where there were priests and high priests and tabernacles and temples and and sacrifices and altars and blood being sprinkled and animals being killed and cut up and butchered and burned and we're not used to thinking about all the stuff that you read about in Exodus chapter 1 through seven but there we saw that God was using the 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 sacrifices to set the stage for a sacrifice to come that would be the ultimate sacrifice for all time the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and so it's basically the book of Leviticus was setting the stage for how grace works grace requires a great cost a great sacrifice like the sacrifice of Jesus Christ Christ. And, and now we're going to look at the next three chapters, chapters 8 through 10, and we're going to see as we're going to get to know these people who are set apart as priests. Now the book of Leviticus is a book that, well, you could say that it's the, the book of the how-tos of the Levitical priesthood. They were the 
family, the tribe of a man named Levi, that was a tribe in Israel, and and they were set apart to serve as priests for God. And what we're going to see is that grace works as God sets apart a mediator to mediate peace and and salvation, to mediate his word, to, to bring together sinful people with a holy, perfect God. Grace requires a mediator, and we're going to see that God set the stage with this priesthood for the ultimate priest to come, the ultimate high priest to come. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ will be described as our high priest priest. And so God sets the stage for that by sharing with us some of the thoughts about what would be required to to put these priests into action. And that's what happens in chapter 8. We'll see in chapter 8, Moses will bring Aaron and his sons, all who are, are part of the Levitical family, the Levitical priesthood, and he 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 brings them and God gives them instructions and how to do sacrifices to purify them, to set them apart as a holy priesthood who's going to serve as a go-between and as mediators between God and the people who want to worship God. And and he does all these sacrifices that we talked about in chapters 1 to 7 on behalf of the priests just to get everything started. And at one point in Leviticus chapter 8, uh, verse 34, it says, everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, to make you right with him. And and so they went through all the purification stuff. If you read through chapter 8, you'll see him doing sacrifices and and purifications and and preparing themselves to be pure and to be right with God as they serve people and serve God on his, uh, and serve God uh, on their behalf. And then we move into chapter 9, and in chapter 9, we see the duties of, of making sacrifices. We see them begin serving in the tabernacle we see them begin worshiping we see them begin to do these sacrifices and on the first day it's almost like God will come in and and put his stamp of approval on what's happening here to say this is of me and and I'm doing this God is a God who likes to sort of make a spectacle out of the firsts when something happens for the first time he wants everyone to know that that he's done it or that it's being done for him and by him I mean like with the beginning of the church we saw the day of Pentecost and and on that first day the first sermon that was ever preached the, the first gospel message that was ever preached and we see tongues of fire above people's heads and we see uh, the sound of a hurricane in the background and we see you know the apostles they're preaching in all sorts of languages they didn't know and yet God is using them to share a message and God's saying this is me this is all me at work here well here is something very similar happens where these priests begin their service and sacrifices and and when they make their first sacrifice in Leviticus chapter 9 verse 22 to uh, 23 to 
24, it says this, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle, and when they came back out, they blessed the people again, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. And we have the idea that that they're about to make their first burnt offering and all of a sudden the Lord's glory appears and fire comes out and and eats up the and burns up the burnt sacrifice and wow God is at work in this well we move into chapter 10 and by the time we come to chapter 10 we will see how serious God takes what's happening here God is going to be serious about the role of these priests about them representing him he's going to be serious about them keeping his instructions and sharing his word and and we'll see in chapter 10 we're going to come to more of the story later but we'll see in chapter 10 some serious ramifications that come about the first time someone disobeys who's a priest the first time someone who's who's rebellious as a priest God is going to also take that first kind of serious and make sure he sets the stage for for people taking this role of a mediator as a role that's important And what I want to do is I kind of want to take some thoughts that uh, come out of these three chapters and just talk about five, five things that a good priest, that a good mediator does. And, And as we go through, what we will find is that God has provided us in his amazing grace with this amazing mediator. Well, let's take a look at it. First, the the first thing that a good priest, a good go-between does, a good mediator does, is that a good priest is a go-between. A good priest is a go-between. He will go from uh, between God and the people. A mediator sits in the middle of the table, like like the table that I sat at when I was doing the peer mediation. You know, this picture of these kids, one of them sitting across the table and and one of them sitting on the other side of the table and the mediators are there in the middle and, and they're a go-between and the priests were there to help people make their sacrifices and they were there to worship God and, and enter into his presence now there's an interesting place that the priests would do some some very important things I mean the priests would serve all over the tabernacle doing different things but one of the places that was very important was right in the middle it was a place called the most holy of holies and that place was a little room right in the middle of the tabernacle or later the temple and the only way to get into that room was to enter by way of a curtain a very thick curtain that that hung as a doorway and that curtain represented the divide between sinful people and a holy god and the job of a high priest was to enter into that 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 little room passed through that curtain in order to represent the people to this great and holy god and in order to come before the great and holy god uh, on behalf of the people he would serve as a go between He, he would serve on the people's behalf he would serve Uh, on the sinful 
people's behalf before a holy God. And yet at the same time, he would turn around and share God's word and serve a holy God and represent him to a sinful people. And so he was this go-between. You know, one of the things that comes up sometimes when we're talking about priests of the Old Testament is, is, is what's the difference between an Old Testament Levitical priest and a high priest and, and a pastor or a minister or, uh, or a leader of a church, whatever you might want to call them? What's the difference? Are they the same thing and just for a different time? And, 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 and are pastors really just like priests with a different name? What's the difference? And and I want to share with you this, that, that a pastor today is different than a priest of the Old Testament. We are serving the same function. We are not uh, your mediators. We are not your go-betweens, so to speak, like the priests were designed to be. There's only one who is your mediator, and there's only one who is your go-between. And, and I need that one, and you need that one, and we equally need that one to be there for us. You see, there are some similarities when it comes to a priest and a, to, and a modern-day pastor. Some of the similarities would be things like this. Well, a Levitical priest, was he was a religious leader. He, he was leading people in worship of God, and, and he was teaching people God's Word, and he was overseeing the business of the temple and, and a lead pastor. Well, he kind of fulfills the same roles. He, he is a religious leader. He is leading people in worship and, of God, and he is teaching people God's word and he is overseeing God's uh, the business of the church and and a priest well a priest was supposed to be praying for and caring for his people a, a priest was supposed to be shepherding his people and teaching his people to obey God's word the scriptures as they follow God and and, and a pastor comes about doing about the same stuff he was teaching people a pastor teaches people God's word and the word pastor comes from the idea of a shepherd and and he is to be shepherding people and helping them follow Jesus and a pastor too teaches God's word and and teaches people to apply God's word and and so there are some similarities but then there's differences you see an old testament priest well he was a mediator between God and man and and I am not a mediator between God and man. I'm not a go-between when it comes to God and people. God isn't waiting for for me to make a sacrifice uh, so, and uh, on your behalf. You know, God isn't waiting for me to pray a prayer so before He answers your prayer. God isn't waiting me for me to do things on your behalf in order for you to worship 
him and a go-between really is just that a go-between and a priest was meant to be a go-between a mediator and we're taught in scripture that Jesus is our high priest that that he's the only mediator we have one of the things that happened when Jesus died on the cross I mean there were a lot of things that happened there were a lot of moments and symbols and and, and there were a lot of uh, theologically huge concepts that happened at the cru- crucifixion but one of the things that symbolically happened when Jesus died on the cross was that the curtain that separated the most holy place, that curtain was torn, but not by nobody. Uh, and it was a picture of God just ripping that curtain apart. And the message was now there's no divide between God and man. The, 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 that Jesus Christ has made it so that a sinful people can approach a holy God because they have the ultimate go-between, and that ultimate go-between has given his life on the cross so that now the two that were separated can come together. And, and so when it comes to a pastor and saying, well, is a pastor just a modern-day priest? The, the answer would be no. If by that you meant our pastors go-betweens today, You see, a lot of people have this strange idea in their head that there's God, and then uh, a little bit lower than that would be your pastor, and then a little bit lower than that would be the people of the church or the people of the world. And and they have the idea that, well, the people can go to the pastor because he's closer to God, and, and the pastor goes to God on our behalf. And that is the way that it was supposed to work with the priesthood but now well the the situation is different there's God and then there's Jesus and then there's your pastor and there's you and if we've all said yes to Jesus then we all have access to him our uh, to him through our great high priest and so your pastor's not a priest at least not in that sense There is a sense that the Bible will talk about priesthood when it comes to Christians. And interestingly, the only times it uses the idea or the word priest is when it's using it to describe all Christians. Everyone who says yes to Jesus, everyone who believes, who receives his grace, who receives his forgiveness, who walks with him, every one of them are called, well, in First Peter it says that those who are in the church are a royal priesthood and a kingdom of priests. And, and, and in the book of Revelation it will describe the church as, as a priesthood of believers. And the idea is this, that Jesus Jesus is our great high priest, and when it comes to representing God to the world, when it comes to helping the world connect with God and find peace with God, then not pastors, not ministers, not reverends, not even Catholic priests, or, or even though they're using the word, that nobody uh, has this special standing because we are all of us called priests who are serving Jesus, bringing the gospel to the people in our lives and to people who really need it. And so, if you said, is your pastor a priest. 
Well, if you mean, is he a go-between like the Levitical priesthood, then no. But if you mean this, is your pastor a Christian just like you, who's called a priest just like you, then yes. Yes, your pastor is a priest because now we all have access to God, the same kind of access. My prayers aren't any better than your prayers. My connection with God isn't any better than your connection with God, at least in terms of of our access through Jesus Christ. Now, I do think there's something to be said for someone who is a righteous man praying. The scriptures say that that, that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, and, and that, doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with your job or your career. I mean, you could be a, a plumber and be a righteous man, and sometimes you can be a plumber and be more righteous than your pastor. And so, but the idea I'm trying to get to though is that all of us have access to Jesus or access to God through Jesus and and so a good priest a a good mediator is a go between well let's get to number two number two is this a good priest serves as God wants And, and often what happens is our human nature kicks in and God asks us to do a thing, and God tells us how to do a thing. And, and man, you see it all the time. I see it all the time as a pastor. We read the scriptures, and we share the scriptures with our people. And, and, and what we see is that people will take what they want to hear and hold on to it, and they will disregard what they don't want to hear and walk away from it. And, and sometimes we start to want to do things on our own and in our own ways. And so what we're going to find when we come to Leviticus chapter 10 is that right at the beginning, these priests, well, they did what they wanted to do rather than what God told them to do. They became disobedient. You know, we don't always like people telling us what to do, do we? We don't like following instructions or rules. We don't like to obey. We don't want people saying, well, you should do this and you need to do that. Well, we say, well, I don't want to do this or that and I'm going to do my own thing and God tells us a thing to do and and we do it our own way you know God says be baptized and we say well I don't want to get baptized and I'm going to skip that part or or I'm going to do something other than baptism that God never asked me to do but I'm going to make my own substitution God says repent and we say well I'll pass on that part but but I believe so God give me my my salvation God says love your wife or, or love your husband and, and we say well that won't make me happy and and so we choose to go our own way and in, in our own direction and, and God says uh, offer your body as a living sacrifice and and we say well that's a, you're asking a little bit much Lord I'll just offer you maybe a Sunday morning or 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 even if that you know and and and, and I'm too busy to be to be all in like that and, and God says carry your cross and we say oh I don't really feel that sacrificial today and, and God says and you get the idea God says it and we disobey it well right here at the beginning right when God began the the Levitical priesthood a rebellion started and the, the Levites some of the priests began to rebel against God and disobey God and and rather than having respect and fear for God the ones who were 
were chosen to be go-betweens began to disobey him. And because they disobeyed him and they were going to go about doing the sacrifices how they wanted to, what it says is that these two priests, these sons of Aaron, began to uh, put together the sacrifices in ways that they weren't told to and and in ways that were disobedient to what God had told them to do. And, and so it says in Scripture that a fire blazed from the Lord's presence and it burned them up and they died there before the Lord. This was one of those where it was a first and God was going to show he was serious. Then Moses said to Aaron, because they were his kids, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near to me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. There was nothing he could say. I'm sure he was mourning and sad inside, but he knew what had just happened needed to happen. Because if if the priests who were the go-between wouldn't obey the Lord, then how would the people and, and who would? And so he realized this was serious business. And so number one is a good priest is a go-between. And and number two, a good priest will serve as God wants, not as he wants. And that was the message that, that, that I think was being sent here in chapter 10, that God's not messing around. When he asks us to serve him and he tells us how to do it and he asks us to do something, he's serious about it. When he says, this is how you say yes to me this is how you say yes to salvation he's not messing around we ought to take him at his word and and do what he says when he says i want you to serve we serve when he says i want you to love we love when he says it we ought to be obedient to it and that brings us to the next one because the next one is this that a good priest teaches all that God commands. He teaches all that God commands. God said, I want you to teach this to the priests. He he said, I want you to teach the people my word. I want you to teach them what I have to say. I want you to teach them how to obey and how to listen. In Leviticus chapter 10 verse 11, it says, and you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. In other words, teach them the scriptures. Teach them the word, at least the word that they had up to that time. Teach them the scriptures. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, the words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God and people should go to him for instruction for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. In other words, take serious your role in sharing God's word. These priests were to teach all that God commands. And you know, to be honest with you, here's one of those places where there's a similarity between a a priest and a pastor. But really, it should be said that this is a similarity between a priest and all Christians, all of us. Because in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, it's uh, the apostle uh, said, the apostle said this for, for, for the apostle Paul said this, for I didn't shrink from declaring 
all that God wants you to know. I like the way that the New International Version says it. He says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. That means we're going to share the whole word of God. The stuff that's good and pleasing and and, and the stuff that makes us feel good, but also the stuff that's challenging, the stuff that's convicting, the stuff that we need to maybe change and start to change our minds about. You know, that means when we're going to share the whole will of God, we're going to teach all that Scripture teaches. We're going to teach it when it's countercultural. We're we're going to teach it when it's inconvenient or when it's convenient. We're going to teach it when it's uh, when it covers subjects that sometimes make us want to wiggle in our seats and squirm. You know, sometimes the Bible will talk about subjects that we'd rather not talk about. We'd rather not deal with. With. And sometimes people get a little squirmy when you start to share God's word in these areas. I mean, God's word talks about all kinds of controversial subjects, subjects like heaven and hell. Next time you sit down at a dinner table, bring those up and you'll find that it's it's it can be controversial. Subjects like salvation, obedience to God, submission to God and one another and and money. I mean, money. Bring up money at the dinner table and watch everybody have different perspectives and ideas and and, and you just see how controversial it can be. Or marriage or parenting or politics and political point of views. I mean, there are a lot of them. And and I would say this, that, that the church isn't encroaching on politics. Today, politics is encroaching on the word of God forcing the church to to take a stand on, on what God's Word says. It, it talks about things like creation and sexuality and purpose for living and life and the importance of life and, and judgment and salvation and sin and forgiveness and grace and obedience. I, I mean, the Bible will speak about a lot of things that sometimes might make us squirm and yet Paul will say I haven't I haven't hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God and sometimes as a pastor sometimes as a church we need to preach and teach the whole will of God and grace and in God's grace he provided a mediator a a whole people group of mediators for the people of Israel who would bring his word who would preach it and teach it and who would help people understand it and he brought them this priesthood in order to set the stage for a high priest a great high priest a great mediator who would one day come with authority and speak God's word perfectly and so a, a good a, a good mediator a good priest is a good go between and and a good priest is going to serve and not just serve the way he wants but serve the way God wants and and a good priest is going to teach all of God's commands and number four number four is this a good priest represents his people 
to God. I mean, we kind of touched on this with the idea of being a go-between. I mean, he represents God to the people and people to God, but there is a sense to where the priest is coming on his people's behalf to God. He's really representing them. In the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul describes some of the importance of the priesthood. And one of the things he says in, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, is he says this, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. And he goes on and he says he presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And so he goes to God on behalf of those people and and he deals with their sins. And he's able to deal with them gently, uh, able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. I like how Paul was a little bit politically correct in the way that he said that because what he said is he deals gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is ignorant and wayward (laughs) in other words what he's saying is he's a he's a man too and that's why he must offer sacrifices on for his own sins as well as theirs and so the priest would come before god and, and offer sacrifices for his own sins because he was ignorant and wayward and, and he made mistakes and he was we would say this way he was just he was only human right he was just a man and and in that way he is like a pastor because a pastor is like he's just a man too i, I can tell you i am completely ignorant and wayward sometimes i have i have to come to jesus to say jesus forgive me for my sins i have to come to jesus and ask jesus jesus will you help me grow in this area because i need to grow in that area will will you will you give me more patience will you help me with with selfishness will you help me i mean i i am ignorant and wayward just like you and we all are because we're all human and a good priest represents his people to God. A good priest would enter through that curtain and go into the presence of God representing his people saying, God, we, we're sinful people and, and God, we, we, we are fallen. And you notice that what that was supposed to do for him, he says in verse three, that is why the priest must offer his sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And if you back up, you'd see that that it says because of this in verse two, he's able to deal gently with them. In other words, he says, when his people fall and fail and falter, I get it. I understand. We are all fallen. I kind of like the way that one old-time Methodist preacher and evangelist named D.T. Niles said. He said this, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's what it's all about. That's where we're at. Hey, Jesus is the bread of life. And and I'm just telling you where to find him. He's this great high priest. And I'm just telling you that, that he's a good one. 
and that he's this perfect mediator between us and God. And so number one, as a good priest, is a, is a go-between. Number two, a good priest serves as God wants, not as he wants. And number three, is a good priest teaches all of God's commands, not just some of them or the ones he likes. And, and number four, is a good priest represents his people to God. And that brings us to number five, because I want to wrap all this up in Jesus Christ. Christ, because number five is this, the only good priest is named Jesus. All the rest of the priests were just ignorant and wayward people, just like you and me. Even though they were go-betweens, they were insufficient go-betweens. They, they weren't capable go-betweens. They were, they were sort of like the dumb junior high kid I was sitting at a mediation table when I really had no business being there. A, a good high priest, though, fulfills all these roles, and we see in Jesus that he fulfills them all perfectly. Jesus is this perfect go-between. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there would no longer be a need need for any priest because he is the perfect go-between the curtain was ripped and 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 now Jesus is our perfect mediator you know in first Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 the apostle Paul teaches young Timothy saying this for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity the man Christ Jesus there's one mediator, and it's Jesus. There's one high priest, and, and it's Jesus. And In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, we see that he's our go-between. It says that's why uh, he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. The word covenant is a fancy word for relationship or, or treaty. There's a new one between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of their sins and Jesus well he served just the way God wanted him to serve and he taught God's word perfectly without error and just as God wanted him to teach it in fact Jesus himself said in in the book of John in John 14 9 Jesus said this anyone who has seen me has seen the father in other words the things that Jesus did was what the Father wanted him to do, was what the Father was doing. I mean, he was God, and he is God, and, and everything he did and does is what God wants him to do. And, and then in John fourteen ten, it says this, The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. And now sometimes a pastor might say something like, God, will you give me the words, you know, or, or, or God, will you speak through us? And, and I know what we mean is, is we're asking God to help us give an inspirational message and to direct uh, the thoughts and words that we say so that they're, they're, they go along with or they're in alignment with what God teaches in his word. And that's a legitimate prayer. But when Jesus says that the words I speak are not my 
my own, but my Father who lives in me. He's not saying, oh, I was kind of inspired to to preach or teach along the, the, the message of God. No, what he's saying is they are literally God's words coming out of my mouth. That's what he's saying. So he did and spoke the words of God and the will of God. In John six thirty eight, he says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And so when we talk about a good priest does what God wants, not what necessarily what he wants, and, and a good priest does what and teaches what God wants taught, well, we see Jesus did that perfectly. And then it says that scripture that Jesus perfectly represented his people to God. Over and over again, Jesus described the way that he would go to God on our behalf, that he would serve on our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, the Apostle Paul says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, and then he names that high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. In other words, what he's saying is that Jesus is our great high priest. He enters into the presence of God. And if we would homely, uh, if we would firmly hold on to what we believe, here's what he will do. In verse 15, he continues. He says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. Now, he understands it in a different way that the old priests who were ignorant and weak understood it but he says he understands our weakness for he's faced all the same testings or temptations we do yet he did not sin and so they sinned and they had to make sacrifices for themselves but he didn't sin and he doesn't have to make any sacrifice for himself and because of that he's able to give us the results of his sacrifice of himself and so in verse 16 he says so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. Did you notice what this high priest does? He mediates, he serves, he teaches, he represents, and because he does, he allows you and he allows me, even though we're sinful and broken people, to boldly approach the throne of a gracious God because he's a good priest. And and when we come, we will find mercy and grace. I I began this morning talking about uh, the, the time that I sat at a mediation table and I did not belong there. Sometimes the wrong person's there. But here we see the right person that person is Jesus and he wants to be your mediator he wants to bring you a sinful broken sometimes ignorant and wayward person and he wants to bring me a sinful ignorant and sometimes wayward person and he wants to bring us to a place where we can have peace with God and he doesn't just want to bring you to a place where you could say from afar Hey, God, you and me, we're okay. 
No, he wants to bring you into the throne room. He wants to bring you before God. And what a bold place for a sinful person like you and me to be in the presence of a holy God. And yet it says that if we would trust in him as our high priest, he would bring us before that throne of grace where we will find mercy and grace. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that Jesus serves and brings us this amazing grace. Grace. The grace of God as he provides us with this greatest, with this most perfect, with this good mediator and priest. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you and we're so grateful and thankful for Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We're thankful and grateful for Jesus Christ and, and his willingness to serve as our go-between. We're thankful that you and your grace provided us with someone who could be that go-between so that, so that our, our sinful our sinful personal life could be brought before you a perfect and holy God and we could be okay that that sin could be removed from us and forgiven and 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 that we could have been given grace and God we're so thankful and it's in Jesus name we pray amen well I want to say thank you for joining us as we went through that message this morning and I want to encourage you if you're uh, joining us and whether it's during the live time or whether you join us later after uh, after this is put up uh, I want to encourage you to hit the the link below where you can fill out a connection card and and let us know how we can be praying for you maybe something that was said here today was something that kind of struck a nerve and and you want some prayer or you want us to help you out and and you know we are told to pray for one another i'm not a go-between for you between god and you no jesus is the only go-between but i would love to be an intercessor for you i would love to be a partner with you and pray for you and and, and just as one christian does for another i would love to be praying for you and to to be asking god for blessings and, and asking God for help in whatever area you need. But I would really love to know if some of you who are joining us would like to say, you know what, I need Jesus as my mediator and my go-between. I need peace with God. And and if you're, if you're here today and you want to make a first-time decision to, to believe in Jesus, just fill out that connection card and, and hit the link that says you want to make that first time decision. And I want, I want to encourage you also on, on August 22nd here at Vernonia Church, we're going to have a outdoor baptism service. It's baptism Sunday. And, and I want to encourage you, maybe you come out for in-person service or, or maybe you make a decision to get baptized and that's the day that you're going to do it. Let me know on that connection card as well. Uh, so, so I just I just wanted to make sure that I gave you a couple of next steps that you could take when it came to this message that we're going through. 
Hey, I want to just really quick before we wrap things up, I just want to in, invite you, if you want to help uh, support Vernonia Church and support the, the messages that we are putting out every week and you want to be a part of what's happening here and what God is doing here, then we would welcome you to do that. There are a few ways that you could give to Vernonia Church if you want to support what we're doing. And uh, you could go online at any time to www.vernonia.church and uh, and and there you could you could hit the give tab and there's a spot where you could set up giving uh, you could also uh, with your phone you could text to give the text the word give to 503-376-6646 if you would like to to help support what we're doing and help support the growth of this ministry i want to say thank you to those of you who are and i want to i want to say thank you for giving and thank you for your faithfulness and thank you I'm on behalf of all the people who are being blessed, who are learning the word of God and who are growing because of what we're doing. I just want to say thank you um, and, uh, and, and let you know that you are appreciated and your giving is making a difference. I'd like to ask you to pray with me as we kind of get ready to close out. And what I want to pray for specifically is the, the, the ministry of Vernonia Church, especially our online teaching time. Let's pray that God uses this to bless more and more people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for Vernonia Church. I thank you that I get to be a part of a church that loves you, that that we come to you, we come together to you, our great go-between, that we know that we are called to serve you and to serve you at, at good times and tough times and to serve you no matter what. And, and God, I pray that you will continue to help us have the heart of a servant. And, and yet at the same time, we're so thankful that Jesus serves us sacrificially. And God, I thank you that we get to be a part of a church that there is no fear of preaching or teaching your word. And we will preach and teach it as we understand it to the fullest of our, our ability that that we're going to teach the whole word of god and i'm thankful to be a part of a church like that and i'm thankful that jesus has shared with us the whole truth that you want us to know and i'm thankful that jesus has served on our behalf and god i want to pray that you will help Vernonia Church to spread the message of the gospel. I pray that you will use this online teaching time to help more people come to know you, to make decisions to follow you. I pray that you will use this online teaching time to lead people to make first-time decisions and decisions to repent and decisions to get baptized and decisions to walk deeper with you. I pray, God, that your word will go out and that your word will make a powerful impact. I want to pray for Vernonia and the community of Vernonia. I want to pray, God, that you will reach this community with the message of the gospel. That one day people will look back and say there was a church in that community and now that community has turned around and, and that whole community loves and serves Jesus and preaches his word. I pray that one day that will happen. That even in Oregon, there could be a small light, a town like that. I want to pray for 
each place that all of the people who are joining us live, that your word would go into their homes, that into their lives, and into their communities, and that you would continue to reach new people with the message of Christ. Thank you for using us as a small part of that great message. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and we said, Amen. Well, I want to finish off by declaring it's been a great day. I do this every Sunday. It's kind of a fun thing. We begin by declaring it's going to be a great day. And now let's declare it's been a great day. And we're going to move on and forward into a great day. So on the count of three, it's been a great day. If you're in a place where you can, just join us and and say it out loud. Uh, uh, One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day.